Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences, where Dr. Jones teaches how God uses everyday normal people to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. Now let's join them for today's message. I want us to look at today a couple of particular hurdles that we face when it comes to following Christ. These hurdles are the different challenges in life that we all experience when it comes to truly following Christ. And today our title is The challenge in following. The challenge in following. And we're going to look at a particular character named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you know, he's famous. We we see him show up in John chapter 3. We're actually going to read that, but I want us to understand who Nicodemus is um, as we look at this story, as we look at his historical narrative of how he is introduced, how he is depicted in the gospel narrative of Jesus coming to save the world from our sins. And we're introduced to him, and these are some things I want you to hold on to. I want you to remember, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. That means he's, 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 he's um, in the word. He, he studies the word. He's serious about the law. He's serious about keeping the law. He is committed to the law of God. So he's trained as a Pharisee. Remember, we even talked about Pharisees. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm going to use this phrase. It's legend. You know, there's, there's evidence that they were at least memorized the five books of Moses and some even the entire Old Testament, the entire Hebrew Bible. So these were heavyweights. Now, so he's a Pharisee, but he's also a prominent teacher in Israel. So he's known for his scholarship. He is a ruler, so he's part of the Sanhedrin. He's part of the leadership over the Jews during this first century time. And we even see evidence in the scripture that he was a wealthy man. He had means. So this is a significant figure that God has chosen for us to see so that we may learn some things about how God moves in the world and we can learn some things about ourselves as we face some of the issues and challenges and hurdles that Nicodemus, we find, will be facing in his life. So he's a Pharisee. He's a prominent teacher. He's a ruler in leadership in the Sanhedrin. And he's wealthy. That's who he is. And this is important for us to understand because I want us to get what we see in this first meeting and introduction when he goes to visit Jesus. And we see what I like to call intrigue. There's an intrigue of him coming to Jesus. And I want us to look at the questions he's asking in John chapter 3. Just a few verses in John chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 10 verses. Because in this passage, Nicodemus goes with some intrigue. He's asking Jesus these questions because he's saying, look, he says we. So it's not just him. He's like the spokesperson. He's gone at night. And people speculate why I said night. One of the things I think John is using this showing even historically, we're getting a picture of how God moves people. But he goes at night 
You know, so there's, there's some secrets. It's not in the days, no crowds around. He goes, he has this one-on-one -on -one interview, uninterrupted time, unfettered access to Jesus, and he wants no, no distractions and nobody can see him. Him and Jesus. And he can ask these questions. He's like, look, we know something special. We know no one can do what you're doing unless God is with you. We see. Jesus replies, it's, it's amazing. He says, Jesus is basically saying, you think you see, but you're really not seeing yet. Because you're coming, with, you're coming with eyes that yet do not see. And that's when Jesus speaks about being born again, being born of the Spirit of God. And this is that whole conversation where Jesus tells him by faith in his work and what he was going to do on the cross. By faith in that work, we receive the Holy Spirit and then we can see the kingdom of God and enter into the kingdom of God. So he was talking about this new birth, the promise of the old covenant of the reception of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching him. But notice Nicodemus's confusion. He is a prominent teacher. Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. He's a ruler. He knows the scriptures. Problem is, he has incorrect expectations. His expectations are off. His expectations are off. And this is one of the first things that we see as a challenge when it comes to truly following Jesus. When Jesus doesn't meet our preconceived expectation. We think we know what God should be doing. We think we know how Jesus should act and how Jesus should respond. We think we know what the Messiah should do and what he won't be doing. We think we know all this and then we're confronted with Jesus that may rock our world because he's doing something we're not expecting. He's not fitting the mold that we've shaped. He's not fitting them in the box. He, we can't make him fit in that box that we have created for him and we're now we're confused. Nicodemus was one he was expecting Messiah. Problem was he's knowing he's seeing but he's not seeing. He's like I know God is at work but I'm not getting this because it's not meeting what we actually were really expecting. And this was something that Jesus was continually doing over and over and over where he was tearing down people's paradigms of who he was going to be as he continued to point them to the promises that God had given them the prophets in all of the Old Testament scriptures. He was like, you read them, but you didn't read them. And you read them, but for some reason you're not attaching by faith what you're seeing in me, Jesus is saying. He has this intrigue, but it's this confusion because he has these expectations that's not being met. And we've all had expectations. I, I talked about godly expectations and the Messiah expectations, but think about when you in life have been disappointed because you had certain expectations. Like, you know, you heard about a restaurant. People told you about it. You went and it's like, it didn't really live up to what you thought. You know, it just didn't meet the expectations. I had expectations and it didn't meet them. That he had this intrigue, but Jesus is not matching his expectations, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Jesus gives another lesson. And I love because he says, he says, how are you the teacher of Israel don't understand this? And Jesus continually points him back to the Old Testament promises and the Old Testament prophecies. And how he was going to continue to fulfill those in his ministry. Nicodemus is confronted and he's challenged because his expectations are not being met, but now he's finding himself in a space to where now he has to tear down and remove those expectations and receive and take Jesus as he is. And it's in that moment you got to ask yourself as Nicodemus, what are you going to do with it? Or 
you are we going to accept Jesus for who he is or are we going to continue to try to in our minds try to make him conform to what we think he needs to be this is a major problem with any of us when we want to reject Jesus for who he is and make him into the person we want him to be he is Lord. We are not. He is our Savior. We are not. And Jesus is calling him just as in the scripture we are being taught and we are being called to trust him and who he is and what he has done for us. Nicodemus is challenged because his expectations and not being met, but we see some time go on and, and, and we got Pharisees that are continue to challenge him, but you got other Pharisees that their intrigue is growing too as well, and you got something going on in the Sanhedrin that's, that is growing, this thing is festering, and people are starting to say Jesus is Messiah, and even the, the, the rulers, they say, look, if anybody believe in this dude is Messiah, kick him out the synagogues, it's getting serious. It's getting serious. But as this time goes on, we see Nicodemus show up again in John chapter 7, but he's moved from questioning to where now he's starting to speak out a little bit. He's starting to speak up. He's speaking up. And I, want, I want us to see what happens in this scenario in John chapter 7. I want you to go to John chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse number 45. We're going to start at verse number 45 in John chapter 7. <laughs> let's, let's, let's find out what's going on here. Jesus' ministry is going on. People are, people are starting to recognize, you know, man, this, this dude is teaching in ways I never heard. And so the rulers, they send, uh, let's call them police. They send police to go out to arrest Jesus and bring him back. But they don't do it. They go and they like, man, they, they come back and they like, hey, I know you told us to arrest him, but we heard him. And I ain't never heard anybody like this. I ain't never heard anything like this, man. This dude, this dude is something else. We, 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 we can't do it. And they go off on him. They're like, y'all been fooled? Have he's gotten in y'all heads too? They're upset. And they like, they, they want to arrest him. They want to seize him. They want to shut this down. And Nicodemus, as one of the rulers, as a Pharisee, speaks up. Now remember, it's, it's problematic. He's putting his neck on the line. And he doesn't say, now he's not sticking up and saying, uh, I, I'm with Jesus. But it's interesting that he moves from that conversation at night in secret to now within the rulers. Within the, the quarters of the rulers meeting together. He's now keeping Jesus from being unjustly treated. He says, look, our law doesn't allow us to just judge a dude before we hear from him. He, he's, not, he's standing up for Jesus now. After this conversation with Jesus, he's standing up and he's saying, look, our law what, what does not permit what y'all trying to do right now. And they come at him, they're like, oh, you, are you with him? You with Jesus now? This is a scary moment for Nicodemus and what this means for his livelihood, for his life, his reputation. Everything about him, because now he's speaking up, and they're like, hold on, hold on, who are you? Are you, have, are you with them now? And then they appeal to what they think is evidence in Scripture. Go, go to the Scripture. No prophet comes from Galilee. Now, in their 
hardness of heart. They've missed some things. One, they haven't heard from him. So they didn't know he was born in Bethlehem, which where Messiah was to come. They thinking he just born from Galilee. But what's interesting, not only was Jesus' fulfillment of being born in Bethlehem or where Messiah was going to be born, but they missed even what the Old Testament scriptures spoke about Galilee. He, they, tell, they, they tell Nicodemus, and they're like, look, bro, let me tell you something. You're you supposed to be a teacher. Go back and study your scripture. You know no, no prophet come from Galilee. And then you go back to the scripture in 2 Kings and you find out, oh, well, Jonah came from Galilee. So, you know, we got one, right? Jonah. I, I'm reading this and I'm sitting here like, man, hardness of heart will make you say some dumb stuff. When you harden yourself up from what God doing and you want to hold on to what you have, whatever your traditions are, whatever your traditionalism is, and just where your mindset is, and you won't open yourself up to what God is doing, it will make you say some foolish stuff and even forget what God has already spoken. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series Forever Family with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches how believers do not relate to one another like family, but we are truly family in Christ Jesus. Go to daryljones.org, that's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org, to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. We see Jonah was from there, but it's not just Jonah. In Isaiah chapter 9, it speaks of a light that's going to come from Galilee, and it's quoted even in Matthew, and I'm, I, I want to read it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 17, it says, When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This will fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along with the road by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee to the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light for those who living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Why is this important? This is important. It's like they're trying to refute that Jesus is even the prophet and the Messiah. And they've missed. God has already said where he's coming from. And Jesus is fulfilling over and over and over what Messiah was going to do. And this is big, family. This is huge. Because in their hardness, they're forgetting what thus says the Lord already. They want enemies necessarily of Jesus, they were enemies of God's plan and purpose. You know why I say this? I want to I go back. I want to go in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, 42 and 43. It says, Nevertheless, many did believe in him among the rulers, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. You see another, you see another hurdle, y'all? Another hurdle that's going on was that even, even, even in acknowledging, yeah, man, this is Messiah, and they believe, but they kept it in secret because they didn't want to lose their place. They didn't want to be kicked out the synagogue. 
and they loved the praise from people more than from God. Do you see this hurdle of what can get in the way, the barriers that get in our, in our face when it comes to truly committing and following Jesus with a whole heart is when we are concerned about our position, when we're concerned about our social status, and when we're concerned more about praise and adoration from people than we are from God himself. It was already prophesied that he was coming from Galilee. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. He was going to be coming from Galilee. Jesus fulfilling every last one of them. But because of the, the, the haters, many of the Pharisees believed, many of the rulers were believing, but because of the ones that weren't, they didn't want to lose their status. They didn't want to lose position. They didn't want to be spoken ill of because they love those pats on the back. They love the voices of the people. May we get over that hurdle and that hurdle be a problem no more that we don't need to look to the voices of people and the praise from people. May our priority be God and God alone. Because the praise from people mean nothing. The position that you hold means nothing. And Nicodemus is putting his life on the line. When I say life, I'm talking about his livelihood. Because if he starts to side with Jesus, he, he can lose everything. He can lose his rulership. He can lose his position on the Sanhedrin. He can lose his status. He's starting to speak up. But as Jesus continues in his ministry, we see Nicodemus do something else, y'all. We see Nicodemus, what we, like, what we could call is Nicodemus goes from at night interview, from just in the Sanhedrin speaking up, making sure he's not treated unfairly, unjustly, to now Nicodemus goes public. See, Jesus continues on his ministry and he continues to show over and over and over up to the crucifixion. Jesus dies on the cross. And you read all the, what happened in that from the illegal trial in the Sanhedrin, the sentencing, the bringing before Pilate, the, the, the illegitimate judgment there. Pilate didn't even want to do it. They sent him to crucify. All the things that happens while he's on the cross, scripture after scripture being fulfilled, he dies. Let's look at this last time we see Nicodemus. John chapter 19, starting verse 38. I love this portrayal that John lays out because he's, he's, he's showing something. Uh, one of the things that you do in writing or in, in, in storytelling in movies is not just what's said specifically, not just what's narrated. That's all important, but also the portrayal. And he drops these little crumbs. And he says, Nicodemus came to him first time at night, one-on-one. Second time, he's speaking up and said, yes, yeah, the same Nicodemus who visited him before. Now, it's in the daytime. It's in public. Nicodemus shows up, and he says, yeah, this is the one that came at night the first time. He shows this movement of Nicodemus going from night in secret halls to now he's publicly lining himself up with Jesus and doing so in a grand way. Because remember, the Sanhedrin has already sentenced Jesus to death. He has died and the ruling order he's a part of, he's actually now backdooring them. He's going against their judgment and now taking care of the very body that they sentenced to death. That they said was Crime of blasphemy. Nicodemus is now put his neck fully on the line. He's gone public. 
And he's even investing in Jesus. It says that he brought about 75 pounds of spices. This is evidence like that cost a lot of money. Nicodemus had to be a wealthy man. And he's connected to Joseph of Arimathea. We got this from darkness to light movement. He's gone from night to public display of aligning with Jesus. And he got Joseph of Arimathea. And we see Joseph show up in the other Gospels. Nicodemus shows up here. In the other Gospels, we find out some things about Joseph. Joseph, he is wealthy. He is part of the Sanhedrin. He, he got all kinds of means. Joseph is going doing some crazy stuff because he's going to Pilate. He's going to Pilate asking for the body. Normally, the, either the family took the body or they put it in a public tomb. He's like, I got a rich tomb. I'm a rich man. I got a tomb. I'm going to put him over here. Give me the body. Nicodemus with him. They treat the body for burial. He's gone public. This is huge. Some, and some people debate, did Nicodemus become a disciple? I believe John is showing us this movement in Nicodemus's life that all these hurdles. And he got to the point to where Nicodemus says, Nicodemus got to the point to where he's new. He says, whatever happens to me, Jesus is worth it. Because now I see. Remember, he already got one of the greatest sermons ever preached right in his face. Jesus told him in John 3 what it takes to see the kingdom of God, God's plan for salvation of the world. He got that straight from Jesus' lips. And we see this maturation in Nicodemus' life. And he's encountering hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. Challenge after challenge after challenge. And remember, Nicodemus had a lot to lose. He was wealthy. He had position. He had a great name. And when I say a position, Jesus called him the teacher of Israel. He was a prominent man. He was a scholar. His reputation preceded him. He sat in high places. And he risked all of that for Jesus. He went public. Now, why is this important? Because it said... Even Joseph Arimathea right here, he was a disciple, but in secret. He was on the Sanhedrin, but he was secretly a believer in Jesus. A bunch of them were believers, but they were scared of position. They were scared about the praise of people. And it came after the crucifixion that we see Nicodemus has now cleared that hurdle. He could lose everything. And yet he counted Jesus worth it. Jesus was worth it. Jesus was worth anything that the world had to offer. We see this over and over. We look at Nicodemus' story, but in a lot of our context, some of us, it may not be as serious as Nicodemus, but, you know, our allegiance to Jesus could cost us some relationships. It can cost, but it's worth it. You know why I say it's worth it? Because Jesus says it's worth it. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. There's nothing that this world has to offer that's better than Jesus. Nothing. You know what else Jesus said in Matthew 19? It says, then Peter responded to him. See, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? It says, Jesus said to them in verse 28. Truly, I tell you, in the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me 
will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The, 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 the two most closest things to you, your family and your livelihood. Anybody who gets over those hurdles to get to me, they will receive a hundred times more than what they had in eternal life. You know what Jesus is saying? The things that get in the way of following me don't compare to what you have in me. When you say yes to Jesus, when you commit to Jesus, when you commit everything you have to follow Jesus, you lose nothing and yet gain everything. So the challenge in following Jesus is really just a challenge to be overcome because Jesus is greater. Jesus is more. And don't ever think, don't ever think coming to Jesus, you've lost anything. Don't ever think that. Because coming to Jesus, the things you think you lost, you actually gain much, much more. Because we see in Nicodemus' story, the challenges are real. But Jesus is worth much more. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Experiences, where we learn how God uses everyday normal people to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.